A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, it looks like the wind is going to start picking up today, challenging us yet again. How are you doing, everybody? Fabulous Farm Babe Pam Youngke along with you. We'll get more weather details from our man Stu Muck in just a little bit. About a 50% chance that we're going to see afternoon showers today. Daytime highs right around 62. Tomorrow, a good 80% chance of thunderstorms. Some could be severe. 65 are expected high on Wednesday. And then Thursday, maybe a little sunshine. It's going to be very windy on Thursday. 44 are expected high. Like I said, Stu's got weather details coming up. We're also visiting this morning with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. He'll bring you the latest news that the marketplace is talking about. And the Wisconsin maple syrup season is quickly drawing to a close. It's been a little erratic because of the weather. Stephanie Hoff's got an update for us coming your way. Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When you see water in your basement, it usually spells trouble. Some other insurance companies might leave you high and dry and not in the way you want. That's why Rural Mutual offers a limited water endorsement on their homeowner's policy to help cover flood, sewer backup, and sump pump coverage. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. I'm a Wisconsin Farm Bureau member because of the opportunities that Farm Bureau affords its members here in the state of Wisconsin. Member benefits to uh, local leadership and personal and professional development opportunities that you can really take advantage of as a Farm Bureau member. We talk about Farm Bureau and how we help move farmers and agriculturalists forward. WFBF.com. You should look them up. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Your soil is your farm's greatest asset. Every season is an opportunity for both short-term profit and long-term improvement. The Midwestern BioAg Way optimizes yields, soil fertility, and sustainability, nurturing your greatest asset. Midwestern BioAg offers biological fertilizers to optimize yields during the growing season, all the while building healthy soil for the future. To learn what a Midwestern BioAg program can do for you, visit MidwesternBioAg.com. Midwestern BioAg, better farming through better soil. One of the misnomers in agriculture is that uh, animal waste and other types of waste are that waste. They're actually valuable nutrients. Bob Osel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. Farmers and rural people have known that for years, but uh, Stephanie, some people there in the capital city are finally figuring it out or they've been doing this for a while. Yes, Bob. And even the even what comes out of you and I can be valuable nutrients. Wherever people are, so is sewer. And believe it or not, you can make unique co-products from that waste, including fertilizer. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. The Madison Metropolitan Sewerage District makes MetroGrow. MetroGrow is a treated solid material that contains valuable nutrients, and it's free of charge to the farmer. Watershed Program Coordinator Kim Meyer shares more about the MetroGrow program and what it takes to apply that fertilizer on area farms. Well, we collect from about 380,000 residents in the area, which includes those that are attached through the pipe as well as through septage receiving, which we have here at the treatment plant. Yeah, so we collect from Dane to Forest, Wanakee, Monona, 
uh, Cottage Grove, McFarland, some in the town of Dunn, Fitchburg, Verona, City of Madison, Middleton. Yeah, the majority of the material comes through the pipes. Each municipality has their own set of sewer lines, which connect to our interceptor lines that bring it here to the treatment plant. And we also have a septage receiving facility at the plant where septage haulers can come and uh, bring material. On average, we estimate that we get about 12,000 rural residential septic tanks brought here to the treatment plant each year. And in this area, sewage is different from stormwater. Yeah, here we have, um, we're fortunate to have separate storm sewer and sanitary sewer. So when it rains, water that falls on the streets goes through the storm sewer to lakes and streams. We're, we take material that's connected through pipes, through connected to people's homes and businesses that comes here to the treatment plant. So it can be laundry, washing your dishes, taking a shower, using the toilet, all those things come through your sewer line. And once it gets here, it goes through quite the process in order to get it to the quality it needs to be to go back out to the streams. Amanda Wagner is the communications manager for the Madison Metropolitan Sewage District. She explains that process for us. Uh, so when wastewater leaves a person's home, it travels through a series of smaller pipes into the district's bigger pipes, which are called interceptors. And then they eventually keep aggregating into these even bigger pipes um, to, before they come in. Uh, they're called force mains here into the district. So they come into our headworks building where they run through a series of screens and whatnot to take out some of the um, inorganic matter that people might put down the toilet or drain, which we certainly don't want people to do. Um, and then it goes through, so once it goes through the screens and gets like plastics and wipes and things you shouldn't flush out, then it goes through a primary treatment. And we use biological treatment here at the plant. So it basically mimics nature. Um, but we just speed it up. So we've got these beneficial bugs in the water that start to eat the organics and some of the more solid organic waste falls away um, and that gets um, scraped out. And then it goes through a secondary process to our clarifiers where it's just kind of that final process of cleaning. And then depending on the time of the year, there's one additional process, um, disinfection. Uh, so during like high season when people might be out kayaking um, or swimming, we want to make sure that we get all the bacteria and, and stuff out so we can in fact send clean, swimmable, fishable river water back into our creeks. Let's talk about the byproducts of the water you treat. Fertilizers, capturing the nutrients from our wastewater and creating a valuable agricultural product. Kim, can you give us the rundown on Metro Grow? Yeah, so really everything that people consume, we don't all keep it in our bodies. So it comes through the wastewater to the sewage treatment plant. Um, we recover a couple different resources, but the main one that uh, would be a fertilizer source would be the MetroGrow product, which we, is a liquid material. It's about 5% solid. We apply that on farm fields throughout the Dane County area. We also go up into Columbia, down to Rock County, um, wherever farmers are interested in receiving MetroGrow for their crops. This isn't human poo that you're spraying on fields. That's not how it works. Yeah, so as Amanda had mentioned, the process to to treat the material that comes here, there's a lot of microbes that are involved with that. Those microbes, as they go through the process, they consume that poo that you mentioned, and the biosolids are actually the dead microbes that have dealt, had been through this whole process. So that material is goes through 
separation, it's digested, we recover methane from it, and then we dewater it and we store it in our tanks here. We have three six million gallon storage tanks. And that material then, we have a pretty, pretty in-depth review process for fields because the DNR has some regulation that we need to follow. So we've got an agronomist on staff that does field inspections prior to any application, and the DNR oversees much of the work that we do to ensure that we're protecting the environment. You mentioned digester. That's a term that we're familiar with at the Midwest Farm Report. Thinking about manure digesters, your digesters are very similar in that you can also create power from methane? Yeah, um, right now that the methane that we capture, some of that is used to power things here at the treatment plant. Um, but there actually was a recent energy study that was done, and they're exploring how they can better use that methane and um, improve our energy savings here at the treatment plant. You mentioned having to work with the DNR in order to determine where you're going to uh, apply MetroGrow. What are some of those considerations that you have to take yeah, some of the things that we need to be aware of is locations of wells. We need to stay away from those. Um, we check all the fields for separation to bedrock. Uh, we check for elevated high water table. Those are things that we want to avoid. Um, we also look at the soil types to ensure that the soils can hold the material that we're applying and keep it there for the crop that's going to be planted. This is completely free to the farmer, too. What's the reason for, for doing it if there's no financial gain to be made. Yeah, so the district really prioritizes resource recovery. Uh, MetroGrow is one of those pro products that we recover, and we want to be able to give it back uh, to the com back into the community. And if we didn't do that, we would have to pay to get rid of it. So this is an amazing resource for farmers and landowners to be able to apply. We work closely in partnership with them, um, and it helps them in the long run by offsetting costs that they might have to incur by purchasing fertilizers or other inputs. Um, and it helps us by reducing the cost of, of getting rid of it, because otherwise we'd have to find other means, whether that's incineration or sending it to the landfill or something like that. And there's definitely an environmental component to this as well. Why don't you tell me about that environmental sustainability piece in this? Yeah, really, um, the material MetroGrow has phosphorus in it, and phosphorus is a finite nutrient. We all need that to grow plants. We all need that for our own um, food. So by collecting it here at the treatment plant, putting it back to farm fields, or returning it to that cycle. So it can be reused to grow crops to, to feed society. And MMSD needs drivers to haul MetroGrow and apply it. What is the labor situation right now? Yeah, the MetroGrow program has 17 trailers that are pulled by contract truckers. And they have about four sites that go at one time, so they need four equipment operators to run the applicators that we own. Um, just like any other industry, we've had issues getting enough people to run the equipment. Um, the equipment that we have is specialized. Um, there's a lot of hours that are put in in a day, it's just like a farmer, where they're working long hours during the spring and in the fall to get the job done. So it has been difficult, um, just like everybody else trying to find workers. When will your season start? Yeah, basically when the farmers start doing any f sort of field tillage, that's when the MetroGrow will start leaving the treatment plant and going to farm fields. So we're hoping 
right away in, in April, April 1st, April 5th, somewhere in there. And you'll be able to see them on the belt line. If you're a Madison resident listening to this, and you'll be able to see these trucks moving. Now you can kind of make that connection. Over um, 5,000 truckloads leave the treatment plant every single year, and every single load leaves via the belt line. And how many, how much can each haul? Yeah, um, some of the smaller trailers are about 5,000 gallons, the larger one, 5,700, 5,800 gallons. The applicators in the field, we've got a few older ones still in service that are 4,000 to 5,000 gallons, but the newer ones, um, those hold 6,700 gallons. Last year, they hauled 40 million gallons of biosolids to farm fields. Is that number only going up? At, I mean, are you guys seeing demand where? every year you think you'll be hauling more? We've been around the 36 to 38 million. Last year was the first time in a long time they've hit 40 million gallons. Yeah, one of the factors that um, affects how much material leaves the treatment plant each year is field availability. And summertime is the time of year where we have more time available to get the material out. So if we have a lot of farmers that have wheat or canning crops, those fields open up in that summertime time frame, which allows more time to be able to get material out, which then they can increase the amount that leaves the plant. And obviously you have a limit too, um, because only so much comes through here and is stored here. So that plays a role as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. We have about six months of storage here at the treatment plant. So yeah, having that summer availability really helps out so we don't have quite the same rush in the fall. Just like all the farmers are working like crazy to get the crops off, we're working to try to get that material to the field. So having those summer gallons leave the plant really helps with that. Another example of how agriculture plays a role in turning a waste product into something valuable. Kim Meyer is along with us, the Watershed Program Coordinator at the Madison Metropolitan Sewerage District. We also heard from Communications Manager Amanda Wagner. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Stephanie Haw. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Drive safely, Wisconsin. Highway workers are out on the road. They do it to better serve you. And just like you, they want to get home safely at the end of a hard day's work. When driving, all of us have a chance to set the right example. Be patient. Put down the phone. Never text and drive. Slow down and move over if possible to give workers a little extra room. Work zone safety. It's everyone's responsibility. Sponsored by the Wisconsin DOT. Gear up for spring with a little help from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. We have everything you need to keep your animals healthy, like 50-pound bags of AgriMaster Chick Starter Grower Feed, now $2 off. 50-pound bags of AgriMaster Layer 16% Crumbles Poultry Feed and Meat Producer Poultry Feed, also $2 off. Give your goats the nutrition they need with an 18-pound pail of Prairie Pride Goat Protein. It's packed full of vitamins and minerals to help your goats feel their best. On sale, $16.99. Pick up a 7.5-pound pail of Farnham Weight Builder Booster or an 11-pound pail of Horseshoe Secret Horse Supplement. Now $5 off. Start your calves off right with 2220 Medicated Super Supreme Milk Replacer from Agrimaster. A 50-pound bag now $5 off. Plus, while you're shopping, check out this great deal. Taste of the Wild Grain-Free and Ancient Grain 28-pound bags of dog food now $3 off. And visit us at the Midwest Horse Fair in Madison, Wisconsin, April 22nd through 24th. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know 
Bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yes, it is indeed. As we get started on a Tuesday morning, sounds to me like we are still going to see uh, some moisture as far as rain is concerned in our forecast and really keeping an eye on the winds that are going to whip up coming later this week. Stu Muckrag, meteorologist, joining us this morning. Uh, let's talk a little bit about I, I, not just the short term, but uh, stretching into the weekend. We got Easter coming up this weekend, Stu. Sounds to me like uh, that Easter bonnet's going to have to be fastened pretty well to our heads if we're wearing one, huh? I'd say, and there could be enough rain to deal with again as we start looking toward later Sunday. Before that, we do dry it out here at the end of the week, but it stays a lot cooler. Temperatures, in fact, dropping to cooler than normal levels for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even early next week heading toward Monday. Still cooler than normal, but another round of some light rain or snow could develop. Low pressure is the big game today. It's going to make its way across Nebraska, heading towards southeast South Dakota, up into southeast Minnesota, then by to the day tomorrow and then pushing north of Lake Superior, pulling away from Wisconsin as we wrap up Wednesday and head to Thursday. Showers and thunderstorms start to develop in our areas. Most of us holding off until evening at Lacrosse and then overnight and on into the day tomorrow. I'll have forecast details right after this. Steffes Group is conducting the Doug and Amanda Wallerman Retirement Forage Auction in Norwalk, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Wednesday, April 13th at 2 p.m. Featuring lots of corn silage, alfalfa haylage, and round bales of grass mix hay, sorghum baleage, wheat straw, and corn stalks. Go to steffesgroup.com right now for photos and complete forage descriptions. For the Doug and Amanda Wallerman Retirement Auction closing Wednesday, April 13th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com. The issues in agriculture are many and challenging. On our Wisconsin Farmers Union Minute, Rick Adamski, the president of the Farmers Union, is with us. And Rick, new to the office, but give us an idea of some of the issues that you think are first and foremost challenging agriculture and what you want to do with them. Well, I, I would defer to the uh, special orders of business that our members voted on during our state convention in January. And the first one is uh, confronting the concentration of power in agriculture. Another is preserving family farm agriculture. Another is uh, securing a viable uh, meat processing sector, expanding the current one. And then uh, we want to do climate-friendly farming practices. And uh, those are the ones that we're going to be foca focusing on this year. And as we go forward, we'll delve into those issues more with Rick Adamski, president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union, on our Farmers Union Minute. I'm Bob Bosold. All righty, Stu, let's have those weather details. All right, partly sunny and more breezy today. Clouds build in. Could be a sprinkle at Lacrosse yet by late afternoon. Mid-60s for a lot of us, uh, a little cooler toward Lake Michigan. Southeast winds increase 5 to 15, gusting near 30 and 35. 
Mostly cloudy showers, even some thunderstorms develop in the night. Temps may only drop back into the 50s and even rise before daybreak with the southeast winds increasing 10 to 20, gusting to 35. Mostly cloudy, windy tomorrow, showers, thunderstorms, temperatures falling back, back through the 50s, maybe an upper 40 in the west. South winds still up to 15 and 20, and the rain should end by late Wednesday night or early Thursday at the latest, becoming sunny mid-40s on Thursday. Southwest winds gusting to 40 and 45, Pam. Overall, a quarter to three-quarters of an inch of rain, I expect, as we head from tonight through into early Thursday. All righty. Thanks, Stu. Yeah, it's a chilly one this morning. Eau Claire is starting off with 30 degrees. Uh, Fond Lac, Madison, everybody about 36 or so. Lacrosse also at 36 degrees. So a little on the chilly side this morning. Sounds like it's going to be that way. All right, we've got more food and fiber news coming your way. You stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Sometimes people think we're the bathroom remodeling place that just covers up your old stuff. It's how Rebath got its start 40 years ago. But just as technology has improved since dial phones, we've grown to become a total bathroom remodeling company. Free in-home consultation, free custom design, an affordable new bath in just days, not weeks. Visit our showroom on Stoughton Road or Rebath.com. Rebath, making it easy to love your bath. Thump. That jolting experience when you hit a pothole. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. Protect your tires from uneven wear with a front end alignment from Tom's Auto Center. It's also a free service when you purchase a new set of tires. And you'll be driving straight the way you should be. Stay safe, drive safe. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom's Auto Center. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a young farmer and agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Are you looking for a fast-paced job in a fun and exciting work environment? Look no further than Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. We offer a wide range of job and shift availability in both part-time and full-time positions. Competitive wages and great benefits await you at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison. Visit us in person or check out our website to see all of our job openings. Make work fun and apply for a job at Madison's only casino. We're known for our sweet moves, but what you might not know is that we can store your stuff too. Yep, from one day to one year. We can hold on to your things on our trucks or in our warehouse. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the unexpected storage move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. They don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. 
being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Normie, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. What have we here? Crackers. At least I think they are. They're in a cellophane wrapper. There are two of them. Crackers always travel in pairs. They snap like crackers. Crumble like them, too. Nine out of ten cracker eaters would give them a positive ID. But these aren't crackers. They're dinner. Jim Krevix for five days straight. There are people like Jim all across Madison. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply people like Jim over $950,000 in food through Dane County's busiest food pantry. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in clothing, shelter, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. You lost 48% of your scoring when you lose Johnny Davis and you lose, uh, what's that? Brad. Yeah, Brad Davison. Yeah. Uh, that's two huge roles. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you lose Chris Vote. He was your primary backup center and yep. one of the first guys off the bench. Yep. yep. That That's three big roles. Now, we just talked about Lauren Bowman. He's your backup point guard. Yep. Potentially could have been a starter this season. And we saw how well that went. When he was on, <laughs> when he was on the court, man, when he looked good in his limited minutes. Yeah. For, for the most part. And he was Badgers. truly missed against Iowa State. It, yeah, Boy, was he ever. Especially when uh, Chucky Hepburn went down. So, I mean, this team, a lot of nervousness coming into the season that was, right? Yeah. Been in from 8th to 12th and consensus was 10th. Well, they want to share the Big Ten. I'm even... Now I'm really concerned about this coming yeah, I mean, oh yeah, you, You're going to be. You have five open roster spots for scholarships. Still going to pick them in the top four of the conference <laughs> next year, though. Hell yeah. <laughs> and six total if you count the spot vacated by Carter Higginbottom. Yeah. That's that's a lot of scholarships to give out between now and the start of basketball season. Right. And there's, well, there's, what they say? There's like thousands of players in the transfer portal. Yeah. Or o- over a thousand players in the transfer portal, I should say. Uh, or was it thousands? Thousands. thousands. There's over a thousand in the transfer portal for football. Woof. There's, there. I mean, you double, well, more than double, uh, the number of basketball D1 programs. There's, I mean, you're even looking at the D2 kid. I mean, so you got other people in the transfer portal too. But I think it was over two thousand for D1. Damn basketball. That's a lot of movement. Yeah. 
Yeah, transfer portal is definitely going to, well, it already has, changed the face of college basketball. You hope the Badgers can dip in and, um, I don't know, well, it's like, build a roster. If you, <laughs> if you do well in the transfer portal, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a great recruiter out of high school. Right. Yeah. Like, because when you look at uh, some of those teams, like Texas Tech, that yeah, they went from being really good under uh, Beard yeah. to him leaving for Texas and then bringing in a new coach and literally a ton of new players. Yeah, and they were all senior laden. They had all played for a long time. They're all pretty solid players. And boom, they were right I, we there to be competitive. The, we can even look at the NCAA tournament this year. Look at Iowa State. Every other yeah, person, yeah. it was like, and last year at Kentucky, last year at Kansas. Well, the whole team was transfers. Yeah, that they wouldn't have finished, what, they had two wins last they, year? Half of their roster was transfers, and the people who had minutes last year were on the bench not getting minutes this year. Do you think you could argue that you can, in theory, be a better coach and or basketball coach if you can navigate the portal better these days than maybe even the recruiting trail. It honestly helps because what most of your classes are max, maybe three kids. Yeah. Like, okay. So they're bringing in one kid. He's supposed to be a decently athletic shooter from Indiana. Yep. That's, that's one spot. All of a sudden you have five guys leave. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, in theory, four open spots. And it's like, if you can go locate the solid talent that's played division one basketball already, like the kid from Indiana is an unknown. You, right. you have no idea if he's going to be the 10th guy on your bench or if all of a sudden he could be Johnny Davis in two years. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be leaning closer to he'll Johnny be the 10th guy on the bench. Oh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't you don't know exactly. <laughs> he has never played college basketball before. Right. But I can identify three other guys that were pretty good maybe in like the Horizon League or another guy that was kind of a, a guy off the bench for a, a blue blood power five. Yeah. But he's was a lot highly touted than some of my recruits. If you can navigate the portal and identify talent in the portal that's been there, done that in college basketball, I feel like you have a lot better shot to be more consistent. Is this the new thing? It goes from one and dones like Kentucky to uh, portals? Well, like portal yeah, I mean, transfers? What would, you call it? would they be one and dones too? You come somewhere, you're like, okay, I, I like it here or don't like but, here, then all of a sudden like you're the, off somewhere else? I mean, you did have the former director of recruiting at Wisconsin who wanted to change the Badgers into that. Yeah. yeah. He always went to Michigan, Michigan State. State. But the thing with like the portal is they don't necessarily – that can be grad transfers or it could be someone that played one year, didn't like it, was homesick, whatever, and they still have three, four years eligibility left. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting landscape. It already is in college and, basketball. And the weird, there's still a lot of Wisconsin connections out there that haven't announced where they want to go yet. Yeah. Some of them the Badgers offered and they went elsewhere. Some of them they did completely said – nothing to and they ended up at like a max school and all those guys get at least one free transfer yeah so all the big boys out there left come on out come on to wisconsin baby madison's great let's go baby connecting producers and consumers one story at a time this is the midwest farm report with pam Youngke. we're connecting you with the latest market information driving our trade on a tuesday our friend john heinberg market advisor with total farm marketing out of west bend will be stepping to the microphone in about 15 minutes glad you're along with us i'm farm director pam Youngke. it looks like we've got a good chance of afternoon showers across the state today 62 our expected high and a lot of clouds again today tomorrow 
tomorrow, about the same as far as temperatures, but 80% chance of thunderstorms tomorrow. Some could be severe. Then Thursday is the windy day, and temperatures will drop to around 44. That paints you a little bit of a picture on what we're looking forward to weather-wise. So today is the 12th day of April. Let's see. On this day, back in 1861, the American Civil War started Uh, Basically, it was started at Fort Sumter near Charleston, South Carolina. The conflict sparked all kinds of deep economic, social, and political differences between the North and the South, and it ultimately continued until 1865. The American Civil War begins on this day back in 1861. On this day in 1981, the space shuttle Columbia took off on its first flight, first orbital test flight. This day back in 1981, the last emperor got nine Academy Awards on this day in 1988. That was the first film to be awarded all the Oscars it was nominated for. Happy birthday today to actress Shannon Doherty. She's 51. Actress Claire Danes is 43. And former talk show host David Letterman turns 75. And now you know. Well, we talk a lot about weather in Wisconsin, especially at this time of the year. Everybody's trying to clean up around the barnyard. That means manure management. We're trying to think about getting spring planting and tillage work going. And it also points to the end of Wisconsin's maple syrup season. Stephanie Hoff caught up with one of our sugar bushes and finds out just what the year's been looking like. The 2022 maple syrup season got off to a slow start. But producers are finding that the weather has turned ideal for a longer season that stretches into April. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. On the line with Jim Adamski. Jim operates Adamski's Sugar Bush with his family in Antigo. He shares more on this year's sap collection. So the 2022 season is, is got off to a slow start. Uh, the cold weather, lack of sunshine has really drugged the season out, for lack of better terminology. From a quality point of view, it's been pretty nice. Uh, we've made a lot of golden syrup at our sugar bush, which is the best grade of syrup you can make. Uh, the lack of sunshine and very cool temperatures have helped us or aided in uh, making that high-quality syrup. This reminds me more of a spring from when I was a kid making syrup, where we made the majority of our syrup in April. We have a little bit of season left coming here this week. If we can make it through the the rainy spell that we're going to have here midweek, we're looking at freezing up next week, and we possibly might get another shot at it next week if our maple syrup doesn't uh, go off flavor. It's not unusual to come out this far, but compared to years past, is this... New? Yeah, years past. Uh, years past, we've we've concluded earlier. Last year, we were done producing syrup at our sugar bush here in northeast Wisconsin on the, I believe it was the 25th of March. And we've also made syrup at our sugar bush here as late as the 27th of April. So, Jim, is there any merit in that old wise tale that when Easter is late, the syrup season goes later? Or is this just a coincidence? I think that's just a coincidence, possibly. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> Jim, tell us about your family's sugar bush in Anago. Yeah, so we are a small-scale commercial operation in northeast Wisconsin in Antigo. We have 10,000 of our own taps. We are certified organic. We've been in production since 1984, and we also buy sap from a couple other producers that are certified organic. So we process sap out of about 14,000 taps, which yields us anywhere between 5,500 and 6,000 gallons of finished syrup per year. So will you expect then higher yield this year because the season's stretched out a bit? We're expecting about an average crop. I would say right now we are probably about 85% of a crop in, and I would say here the way the 
sap has been flowing the last few days. Uh, we'll be close to probably 95% of a crop here by Tuesday evening. Does the quality change at all when, when the season is longer or depending on which month you're doing most of your harvesting, whether it's March or April? So there's two ways a maple tree can break dormancy. One is hours of daylight and two is temperature. You know, by this spring, we haven't, uh, we haven't had a lot of warm temperatures, at least here up in northeast Wisconsin. So that allows us to make a fairly good quality syrup. But the clock is ticking. Um, Mother Nature is going to break dormancy on these trees here right shortly. Like I say, hours of daylight is the other triggers the the trees to go from dormancy into metabolism and then, you know, pushing it closer to bud break. And that's when we start to lose our quality of syrup. That's Jim Adamski along with us with Adamski Sugarbush in Anago, Wisconsin. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Compere Financial helped us get into our forever home. They helped me expand more than acreage. And helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compure Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our focus on exceptional client experience is at the heart of everything we do. And our financial team will help make every step easy and convenient. See why our clients trust us to make their goals possible. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. Wisconsinites love local. Uh, We love buying local. We love knowing who we're buying from. uh, And that's what we were able to offer to them. We keep hearing, I've really thought about solar for a long time. I'm finally able to do it because I've got a local person that I can trust. The more you know about solar, the better. But I think the most important thing is knowing who to work with. And that's us. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Steffa's Group is conducting the Doug and Amanda Wallerman Retirement Equipment Auction in Norwalk, Wisconsin. This timed online auction closes Wednesday, April 13th at 1 p.m. Featuring several tractors, skid steer loaders, and various other pieces of farm equipment, too numerous to mention. Go to steffasgroup.com right now for photos and complete equipment descriptions. For the Doug and Amanda Wallerman Retirement Auction closing Wednesday, April 13th. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S-Group.com. As you can imagine, not a lot of progress when it comes to spring tillage or planting work around the state. The winter wheat condition, according to the Wisconsin Ag Statistical Service, 58% good to excellent. That's down three percentage points since last week. That crop still waiting on sunshine and warmer weather. 1% of the oat crop has been planted. 1% of spring tillage has been done. 37% of our pasture conditions called good to excellent. That's down a percentage point compared to last week. Again, everything kind of looking for a long stand of uh, sunshine and warmer temperatures to start perking back up. You know, our Wisconsin livestock owners are also hoping the weather will cooperate with them and their spring manure management plans. I talked about it yesterday with Kevin Erb, University Extension Specialist, focused in on manure management. He said one issue that some of our farms are dealing with, the custom operators that they've hired to professionally handle their nutrients, facing some challenges of their own. Herb says it's not only about uh, driver shortages for some of that big equipment, it's also about the equipment availability itself. So it depends on what piece of equipment that you're talking about, but I'm hearing uh, anywhere from three, six, even up to nine months, depending on what piece uh, that you're actually looking at. Some uh, the stuff built here in Wisconsin, it's a fairly quick turnaround. Uh, some of the larger manure tankers and uh, those kinds of things. Uh, coming out of Canada right now and uh, the Midwestern part of the country here are easily six months because uh, they just have had the, the shutdown with the pandemic put them behind. 
and they just aren't able to find the labor really to ramp up production the way they want to. And like you said, although we focus on it as a state, this is really a national issue, nutrient management and uh, those available custom operators, right? It is. Uh, we see a pinch particularly here uh, in Wisconsin. Our problems really started uh, with the good economy we had several years ago, but also uh, just a huge demand for CDL drivers and the changes uh, nationally and how you get a CDL have put even more pressure on the industry. Kevin Erb, our University Extension Specialist, focused in on nutrient management across the state. Let's keep our fingers crossed that at least the weather turns the corner and helps uh, get that job done. Markets this morning in overnight electronic trade look pretty firm. Right now, May corn's up 7.5 at 7.72. December new crop corn's up 6 at 7.23. May soybeans are up 15 cents at 16.70. November beans up 11 14.97. The wheat for May is up 21 cents at 11.02. July new crop up 22 cents at 11.10 a bushel. No change on barrel or block cheese or double A butter yesterday in Chicago. This morning May milk is down two cents, 24.91 100 June milk closed up 18 cents at 24.82 100 Coming up next, catching up with our man, John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. We'll find out what he sees driving the trade today. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. What to do with three days off each week? A quick trip up north? Hit the bike trails around the Driftless? Or just lounge around binge-watching your favorite movies? When you work at Cardinal Glass in Mazamani, your career is world-class so you can live first-class. You work four days a week with three days off. Cardinal Glass in Mazamani is now hiring production associates and maintenance, competitive pay, advancement opportunities, medical, dental, vision, profit-sharing, and more. Apply today at cardinalglassmazo.com. When you're shopping around for a pre-owned vehicle, you know what you want. A shiny, fun-to-drive ride that won't let you down. But how do you know if it's reliable? A Wisconsin State Inspection is 60 points, which means checking 60 things. Most dealerships follow that playbook. Bergstrom Automotive isn't exactly what you would call most dealerships. Bergstrom performs a 172-point inspection on all pre-owned vehicles before they're even chosen to be on the lot. 172. That's 112 more areas where the vehicle needs an exam. With that much attention, you know they're looking at parts and pieces you probably didn't even know exist. Do the math. A 60-point inspection or 172. And all to make sure you're safe, confident, and happy with your pre-owned purchase. Choose from over 1,500 elaborately inspected pre-owned vehicles at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Auto Family. Let's ride bikes. Let's ride bikes. Let's ride bikes. If your bicycle is broken and you've got big things to do, just schedule an appointment, have the bike shop come to you. If you're a bike to worker or a super busy mom, you're just a couple clicks away at thebikemobile.com. Avoid the hassle of taking your bike to the shop and have the bike shop come to you. Visit thebikemobile.com and let's ride bikes. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty, let's get to it. Our man, John Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us live on this Tuesday morning, and let's jump right in. One of the big headlines that people are going to be exposed to today, John, is about the avian influenza situation. 25 states from Maine and uh, North Carolina all the way over to Texas now being impacted by that, and that's got trickle-down that consumers are going to notice. Yeah, very much so. And it's actually, you know, really kind of hitting the news a little bit more, maybe because now beyond just the production birds, the news media is jumping on. In fact, we've seen, you know, here in the Milwaukee area, lost a bald eagle to it this week. And that just, you know, brings more common people into that news cycle of what's going on. But again, you're looking at the, you know, basically the largest outbreak in about seven years now. We're looking, pushing close to the 50 million mark in terms of birds that have been uh, euthanized uh, because of this outbreak. Like you said, 25 different states, Wisconsin picked up its fourth flock here, uh, commercial flock in Barron County, uh, a turkey operation up in that region. So it continues to spread here in the state. You know, even our neighboring state, Minnesota, has had seven new infection sites here over the weekend. Uh, so it's a concerning point, obviously, from you know the, the animal health standpoint. And then now we got to look at the food prices and what could be some of the potential impacts you know, in terms of uh, poultry prices as well as egg prices at the store. Yeah, and that's that's really getting to be noticeable because it's not just about even the influenza. It's also about the high feed costs that those poultry producers are facing. Exactly. You know, with inputs where they are and obviously not getting any final product out of that uh out of that chain is you know going to be an impact there in that regard you know we'll see how things go in terms of the repopulation now again when you think about the entire poultry industry and the, and the millions and millions of birds that we produce this is still a very very small percentage so we need to keep that in mind but at the same time uh, again you know sometimes the perceptions of what's going on in terms of how markets want to move you know can bring in a little bit more volatility into some of those you know different food product areas because of the potential concerns down the road Right, right. That's, uh, and it's not just limited to poultry. People have to understand that feed is something that all the animals are consuming. So it's not just poultry. It's also something we're going to notice, beef, pork, et cetera, right? Yeah, very much so. You know, again, it's just still going to be con- something across the lines. Again, we got tight supply chains anyway, and, and that's something that's going to be a concern. So you're going to see the impact probably come across, you know, the other three sectors of the protein side in terms of, uh, you know, beef and pork, as well as the poultry prices, uh, if there's anything that feels like it can tighten up the supply picture. All right, let's talk about the supply picture. Everybody's still focused in on what's going on or not going on in the Ukraine uh, they should be getting started planting pretty soon. Now we're worried about that. Uh, harvesting the winter wheat is going to be at an issue. And that all kind of is still brewing in the marketplace. Talk to me about the crop conditions report, how all this is playing in, John. Yeah, we got our second round of wheat ratings yesterday. We did see a small uptick in those crop ratings, uh, you know, after last week's historically low first set of ratings from the USDA. But again, we're still looking at, you know, wheat conditions, 32% uh you know, good to excellent, but still 36% poor to very poor. And then we keep a close eye on Kansas, which is at 34%, you know, good to excellent, again, historically low. So we're looking at a winter wheat crop that doesn't seem to have any relief coming. Even this most recent storm forecasted here for this week is going to stay north and east of that area. And it's going to be something that's going to keep this market a little bit active. We're seeing the wheat market kind of pop on that. And obviously the global supply situation still is a major concern because of the Ukraine. There was a 
Bloomberg article came out early this morning that Egypt, one of the world's largest importers of wheat, is going to allow their individual importers to shop outside of their their government tenders, again, trying to secure supplies. So that's some of the reason when you see the wheat market this morning pushing 35, 36 cents higher, you know, we're seeing some reaction to that, that the, the global supplies are still very, very tight of what we call exportable or available wheat. Well, and that's uh, that's something that's not going to change anytime soon. We were mentioning that uh, there's a lot of interest out there. Everybody seems to be scrambling, trying to make sure that they're going to at least have a shot at supplies, huh? Very much so, and that's something we're going to be watching very, very closely. And, and, and again, in all three of the markets, more tied probably corn and wheat together because of the Ukraine situation. The fact that things could be escalating again in that regard definitely are not slowing down over there. And this market took a little bit of the premium out because of the war. Now we need to maybe put that back in. You know, so it's going to be something we've seen just last two weeks here. China stepped in and picked up a million metric tons of U.S. corn last week and this week. So again. Again, trying to replace some of those supplies that they could, they may not be able to source from the Ukraine. So any particular strategy you're advising people on? I mean, some of these new crop prices are starting to get attractive, uh, John, but it still begs the question if we're going to be moving higher. You know, that's the hard part about this right now because you don't want to miss on opportunity. And you, and like you said, yeah, we're looking December corn at 728 this morning for that corn you haven't put in the ground. Great value sitting there. Obviously, you got to balance the input costs and where your margins are. You know, so there's still some strategies. Again, producers still need to take advantage of these prices because where's our risk? It's to the downside here. Uh, and make sure you're making some timely sales, build your average, and then, you know, look at different strategies over top of this market to kind of keep things open. More in the what-if scenario. Let's not put a lot of cost to it because we don't want to damage a good sale. But if something were to kick out and we happen to break out the all-time highs, at least you got something to add to value some of those good sales over top. Excellent deal. All right, John, uh, tell them how they can get a hold of you or follow along as these stories unfold. Sure, love to chat with them anytime. Give me a call, 800-334-9779, or shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. And don't forget about that website of ours, totalfarmmarketing.com. A lot of great information out there for producers. Excellent. Appreciate it, John. We'll catch up with you next week, all right? Sounds good. Have a good week. Have a good Easter. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing, joining us uh, live this morning from West Bend. And like you said, uh, a couple different stories that are at play in the marketplace. You're going to hear a lot of conversation again about avian influenza and how it's impacting the cost on eggs particularly. But it's also more than just avian influenza. Like John pointed out, you are looking at a constantly escalating feed cost that all of animal agriculture, including poultry, has got to absorb and ultimately pass on. And then like you said, crop condition reports, uh, maybe a little bit of improvement, but uh, here in Wisconsin, not getting too much done, that's for sure. 1% of our oats in the ground, uh, 1% of our spring tillage done. So a developing story, to say the least. We've got it all up now, MidwestFarmReport.com. If you want to hear John's uh, conversation with us all over again, I'll get that podcast up for you in uh, mere moments at MidwestFarmReport.com. Tomorrow morning, we are going to be catching up with our friends from the Steffes Group. Uh, they have been busy, busy, busy. Auctions are red hot around Wisconsin. You want to check that out? Join us tomorrow morning. Same time, same channel. Have a good Tuesday, everybody. This is the Midwest Farm Report with